I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hi, Keegan. Hello, hello. Hi, honey. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Pretty well. I got my first heirloom tomato off of my tomato plant today. Yes, you did, girl. Uh, honestly it was the best way to start my day like going out there and being like oh it's ready and like cutting it off and I made marinated tomatoes today I'm so happy is it bizarre (laughs) that I had an audible aww when I saw it this morning (laughs) thank you so much it is probably the most wholesome thing I've ever done in my whole life and Keegan didn't realize it but she was wearing a sweatshirt that had a tomato on it so when she yeah. had the video and held it up on Instagram, I was like, oh, my God, you match. I used to work for Flickster, which also like is owned by the same people who owned Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So one year, um, because in lieu of giving like actual Christmas bonuses, right. a lot of companies give things. And so they gave everyone hoodies. And I've worn this hoodie. It's worn down. It's got like it's tearing at the seams. I've had it for years and years. That's how you know <laughs> it's a good hoodie. You know, everybody it needs is- a good hoodie in their life. Be comfortable. Yes. All right. Uh, well, how are you? I'm doing. I'm doing pretty well this week. I've got to say. Good. I feel okay. I feel. I feel like I'm in a good swing of things right now. I am uh, anxiously awaiting when school starts again. Uh, we have no information yet, so knowing that I have to teach next year and not really having any sort of information is very daunting. But for me, right now, that's kind of my personal life main concern which is love and light sending it to you because oh my god (laughs) like that seems really tough yeah and uh, it's crazy well should we get into the episode my dear 
Yes, let's do it. So I only have one big thing to talk about this week. Okay. Um, so I know you have two things. So do you want to start, start I just, us off? I just have one thing, actually. Oh, I have, And okay. I have something positive, like a quick thing at the end that I saw literally right before I came into the room to record that I wanted to mention. But I have, other than that, I just have one. Would you like me to start out? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so um, I've been doing a lot of research lately about kind of the behind the scenes of the figure skating world. Uh, For those of you who don't know and are new listeners, I grew up a figure skater. I figure skated for 13 years. Uh, It's very much part of my identity and who I am. So anytime there's figure skating news and it ties into the show in any way, I am going to talk about it. And this one is particularly infuriating. So there was a coach by the name of Richard Callahan. He was the coach to legends such as Tara Lipinski and Todd Eldridge. Uh, Tara Lipinski, you guys, I'm sure all know, but Todd mm-hmm. Eldridge was like, he won something like six national titles. He won multiple Olympic and world medals. He was also just a really, really prominent U.S. figure skater. Um, and he, uh, Richard Callahan was a skater himself and he toured with ice shows, uh, until about 1972 when he started coaching and he started jumping around to Rochester, New York, then Philadelphia, Colorado, San Diego. And then finally he settled in Detroit in 1992. He announced his retirement in March of 1999 and the next month, April, 1999, a former student named Craig Marisi, uh, who was his former student and his, uh, coach assistant, actually. He spoke with the New York Times, stating that Callahan had abused him sexually beginning when Marisi was only 15 years old. After that, two other former skaters made statements for the article as well, chronicling their own abuse experiences with Callahan. So of course, Callahan denies anything ever happening. He says that Marisi was, you know, jealous because they ended their, you know, coaching relationship badly. Uh, There was something about Tara Lipinski moving to be coached by Marisi and they were, you know, conspiring against him and it's this whole thing. So Marisi filed against Callahan with the U.S. Figure Skating Association but was dismissed without a hearing on the grounds that Marisi waited to long to file it had been about 20 it had been over 20 years it's really infuriating to me that there's a statute of limitations on sexual assault and rape yeah uh, rape especially it's you know this is something that you carry with you it's traumatizing it's something that you carry with you for your whole life so for there to be a statute of limitations on it um seems wrong oh it's it's absurd and it gets worse that's the thing like this story this is like old news this is stuff from like the 90s so um oh but that same year they did actually say that there was like no hard evidence that this happened probably because it had been 20 years and they weren't really trying that hard you know well and even beyond that it's like that's what makes sexual assault and rape so difficult to prosecute in the first place is that it's very difficult to gather evidence. Um, Typically it is kind of like a he said, she said sort of situation, especially since so many people wait so long to report their sexual assaults or their rapes that the evidence has mostly gone at that point. Well, and the thing that's the most upsetting here is that he was allowed to continue coaching. He, uh, that's the thing, it was, he, it wasn't like just the law let it slide, it was like the world of figure skating let it slide, and didn't really care. Um, So finally, in 2019, Callahan was given a lifetime ban from the sport, but literally Uh, like- Wait, sorry, pause. How many years had that been? Uh, This is 2019. 
Okay, so it had been, so, it had been what, what is that, 20 years? Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, well, How long years. since they knew? Did they know? Ni- since 1999. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, But this is why. So U.S. figure skating has this new thing called safe sport. I think I mentioned it when I was talking about Tom and Cantalupo, the coach that I grew up with who is going to be in prison for the next 24 years. Fuck yeah. Um, but there's this thing called safe sport, and I read their entire handbook. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, loophole, 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 loophole. It's just, it's absurd. But that is supposed to be their new... Um, kind of like handbook and guideline for handling sexual misconduct. So he was finally given a lifetime ban in August of 2019. Um, but that seems absurd that it took so long. It really do does. Do you want to be more it, mad? Yeah. I'm not sure. done. Great. Three months later, his lifetime ban had been reduced to a three-year ban. I don't understand Plus why. probation for 15 years and 100 hours of community service. Okay, I don't understand this. Like, I, li- I don't understand Do this. Do you want to know their explanation? Even- <laughs> sure. It's bullshit. So it says, because the abuse dates back to the 70s when laws regarding those crimes were weaker, they cannot give him a harsher punishment, apparently. Yes, you can. Yes, so, you can. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, look, listen, I don't know... I don't know the details of this because I don't work in skating, obviously, but I do work. I am a, a human adult that exists in um, the working class. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, how can they as employers, is it the union? Like, I, why I believe can they this not? Is, I believe this is through safe sport. So the guy, Dan Hill, who was the like spokesperson at the time said, when the allegations predate the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, the center has to use whatever rules and laws existed from the sport, the U.S. Olympic Committee or state local government at the time. And the thing that is so infuriating to me is that this is how the cycle of abuse continues, especially in sports. Uh, and especially I would say in sports where coaches are working individually with students in aesthetic sports. I'm and sorry. It's to just, me that I mean, it doesn't I, make sense. It doesn't. And I think about, you know, myself growing up and the times that I, I mean, I was alone with my coach constantly, but my coach was a woman and we were very, very close, but even that's not allowed anymore. But I think about even the times that I was coached by men or all the meetings I had behind closed doors the traveling, the competitions, like parents are not around. Parents drop their kids off at the rink and they're there for hours at a time. Right, which I mean, to be honest, like a lot of the things that I did growing up, you spent a lot of time alone or semi-alone with the adults in charge. Right. Um, and really, you should be able to trust the adults in charge to be alone with your children. Like you should be able to trust them. And that's you know, why it's a really sad thing that we, we can't because well, right. of things like this. And that's why safe sport was developed. And the thing that is so ridiculous to me is that after all of this Larry Nasser stuff that like blew up the sports world, how can we look at this person who has abused multiple young skaters continue this cycle of abuse? Like it's telling these other coaches that what they're doing is okay, or if they did it a long time ago, that it doesn't matter anymore. That's exactly right. Because, I mean, they are sending a message that like, hey, maybe it's not okay. Like, maybe it's not cool. But also, we're gonna not really do much about it. So it'll be fine. Especially if you did it a long time ago. Like, eh, like, okay, maybe don't do that anymore. But also, we're not gonna do anything to bring justice. Right, and this is something that I wonder too. So I was watching 
something with Max this morning. Oh, we were watching the Jeffrey Epstein documentary. Oh my God. And it was a detective saying that when there's a minor that uh, alleges sexual assault, they take that very seriously. We, we look into that right away. And Do so I you? wonder, I, well, yeah, I said that too. But then the other thing I thought of, well, that Max actually said, he was like, well, what about adults? And I wonder if there is something because, you know, this... Marizi, he went from being his student to being like his co-worker, essentially. They were assistant coaches together and he was an adult when he came out with what happened to him as a child. So I wonder if there's just, especially because he's a man, you know, I'm sure well, that there could be some like sexism going on in there. I, I f- absolutely. And, a- and ageism, which really isn't a thing. But I wonder if because he was grown, it didn't seem as like tragic because it happened so long ago well but here's the thing i feel like there's a catch-22 here when it comes to sexual assault because very often as we've seen um you know specifically i'll bring up the case about woody um what's his name i want to say woody harrelson but that's not him um woody Woody allen oh yeah woody Woody allen okay cool yeah when it came to Woody Allen's daughter, who, you know, came out as an adult and said that this thing had happened to her when she was a child, she had also mentioned that this had happened to her when she was a child. And it's a catch-22 because when she brought it up when she was a child, people were like, well, how reliable is a child? Yeah. And then when she brought it up as an adult, people were like, oh, well, it was so long ago. Yeah, why would you how, wait to bring it up? You know? Right, and, and and how reliable is your memory and all of those things. And so it's, it's a real catch-22 for people. It's like we want so badly to not believe that this stuff is happening that we will engage in all kinds of mental gymnastics to try and make ourselves believe that this person got it wrong somehow. Right, you and know? this is interesting. There there are three cases that are known as of right now to be the top cases of sexual assault allegations in the United States figure skating world. And those top three people are Richard Callahan, who I just discussed, Thomas and Cantalupo, who I skated with, and John Coughlin. And those people, so Richard Callahan, he got off. He's going to be fine. Uh, Tom and Cantalupo, he's going to be in prison for a long time. Hopefully they hold up <laughs> the number of years that they've said. And John Coughlin committed suicide when his allegations went out. So this is our track record, people. This is what we're dealing with. And this is what frustrates me because I think of all the little skaters that were like me, where if I was ever put in a position where a male coach, you know, I I mean, I was touched a lot as a child because when you're being coached, you are. I wonder how I would have reacted if a male coach were to have done something inappropriate. Would I have said anything or would I have been too scared? And I don't want little kids to deal with it anymore. Would you have even noticed at first that anything was wrong. That's what I think whenever I think about um, a lot of the sports activities that I engaged in. Um, And you're right, like when somebody is correcting you, even now when I go to a yoga class, like when someone is correcting you, they're touching your body. And you trust them to touch you. No, you're good. Yeah, now I feel like there's, I've been to some yoga studios where, where they'll like ask like, can I touch yes. you beforehand and things like that? And I have Often heard. Often they do. And I've heard that now that's a big thing that's used in skating. And there's something called the too deep rule uh, or something like that or the too deep clause. I don't know what it is. But it's essentially that like somebody else has to always be in the room or be like within a visible distance. And they say. I, I think per- that's good. Preferably a parent or um, permanent legal guardian. But I was like, there's no way my mom was staying at the rink 
all day. No. I mean, in fact, part of why, you know, not to make this sound bad, but part of why parents do get their kids in extracurricular activities is because they have to be at work or they have other things going on and they want their kids to be active and engaged in something else. And like, I, I really do think that if someone had been touching at a young age, if someone had been touching me inappropriately under the guise of helping me in a sport, I might have a fleeting thought of this feels weird or this doesn't feel right. But I think it would take me a really long time to recognize that as abuse. Like I would right. I would probably think uh, they're just trying to help me. I probably wouldn't bring it up to other people. So to act like people who are bringing it up much later in life are wrong for having waited. Um, maybe they just realize. Oh, yeah. It takes, you know, it takes time sometimes. And yeah, I just think it's such an important thing to talk about. And, you know, I just remember, I mean, I was lifted and thrown around. And uh-huh. I was in cheerleading. It was the same thing. The way people grab you when you're in cheerleading or, or you know, skating or gymnastics, any of that stuff where they are kind of holding you in it on places that people usually don't touch you you you'd be surprised how many male pair skaters are fucking creeps too and I'm like that is horrifying I almost moved to Colorado we like talked about it for a few months when I was maybe like 14 to do pair skating because that was like my dream um and now I'm kind of glad I didn't because usually they put really young girls with much older guys at first because they can lift them up, they can throw them stronger. around, and they both mm-hmm. learn from each other pretty well. And I'm like, God, I'm really glad I didn't do that. That could have potentially yeah, a been a really bad experience for disaster. Yeah, you know, if you don't have somebody who is like really respectful and considerate, right? Which is why just this conversation just needs to continue, like in in all Agreed. extracurricular activities and schools and sports and all of these things, because like we're just letting all of this slip through the cracks, and it's so infuriating. So much Absolutely. needs to change. And, and I will say, like, I totally benefited. I was involved in so many extracurricular activities. I went on trips with ROTC with the, the two people in charge were older men. Like, I've. I benefited greatly from extracurricular activities. And luckily, the people who were running the programs that I was involved in were very, um, they, they were good people. They were teachers. They they wanted to be good role models to children and, and, you know, all of that stuff. But unfortunately, not everybody who gets involved in this is in it for those reasons. Of course. And, you know, predators are always going to seek out jobs where they can be in contact with their pray for lack of a better word um easily so it's it's just scary and it's something that people need to be like cognizant of yeah yeah definitely because and I, and I think a lot of things have changed since I was a kid uh I think that parents are definitely a bit more uh helicopter style than our parents probably were for when sure. we were younger but uh it's still something that parents should not be naive to I think it's very easy mm-hmm. to trust a coach especially because you think they have your child's best interests at heart and you want your child to have their dream. I think that yeah. that's another thing. Oh, is God, like, yeah. That's what makes it so insidious is that it's wrapped up in a dream. Mm-hmm. And you will tolerate so much. And if, if you, you speak up, that, you could lose mm-hmm. that dream. It's right, just, yeah. oh, it's so infuriating. And it just it makes, me, it makes me want to hug all of like my young skater friends that I knew back then and just say, it's okay. Just knowing what I know of like people that I've grown up with and what they've dealt with. I'm just like, Oh God, for sure. I just didn't know. It's horrifying. Yeah, absolutely. I've talked for a long time. I want to know what you want to talk about. (laughs) Kevin. 
Okay. Um, so I have just one really long thing. I literally have four pages about the same thing. So I'll try and get through it pretty quickly. Um, but I really wanted to talk about what's happening in Portland right now. Thank you. I think um, especially for the people who are in the United States, it's so important that you stay alert to what's going on right now because it is actually very, very scary. It's terrifying. For all of us. Um, and for people who are outside of the U.S., I know that the BBC has been covering this. Um, a lot of U.S., news outlets for whatever reason haven't been covering it as in depth as they really should because hmm, from what, this is for horrifying. whatever reason hmm, I, I mean, wonder why but you would think like CNN would want or MSNBC would like want to be covering this fully and like they are talking about it but given what it is and what it could lead to I feel like this is all anyone should be talking about right now I it's, agree it's wild um, but okay so there have been large protests in Portland every night since the murder of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. And since the start of the protests in June, police have indiscriminately fired tear gas and other munitions into peaceful crowds demonstrating against police brutality, which is kind of ironic. It's that incredibly they are ironic. Exhibiting police brutality and against evil. anti-police brutality protests. Yeah. Um, but that is not, unfortunately, like that is not big news. That is something that every or many police departments across the country did um, or are doing to Black Lives Matter protesters. Um, but Trump has now deployed militarized federal agents from the Department of Homeland Security and Department of Justice, uh, and they are currently occupying the streets of downtown Portland, and they are quite simply terrorizing the citizens yeah like if you if you watch these clips of what's happening um it looks like something out of the hunger games it like, looks like seriously. an abduction it looks like somebody is being abducted and taken away and well, they are they, they are it's so <laughs> frustrating because it's like these are border officers from the federal protective service whatever and they are there to protect like federal buildings and property and it's just right and that's so that's what they're saying they're doing like they're saying that they've been deployed to protect federal buildings but federal buildings for the most part have not been in danger like quite simply in my estimation having done the reading that i did um in prep for this episode in my estimation, this is just Trump saying what he can get away with in any given state. Most definitely. Um, but I think it also kind of makes a point of saying that, like, protecting our federal property is more important than protecting our protesters. Absolutely. Which is yeah, really absolutely. just and the property wasn't in danger. It simply wasn't. So, like, to say that in the first place is incredibly misleading um and then what they're doing on top of it so some of the things that they're doing doing are um flouting court orders that protect protesters from law enforcement attacks they're using sharpshooters to maim people so they're shooting like rubber bullets and things from mm -hmm. tops of buildings like fucking snipers um they're sweeping people away in unmarked vehicles so they are literally like you were saying kidnapping people so yeah they they rented vans these vans are unmarked and as i'll talk about a little later they are also not identifying themselves when they are pulling people off the street and, and they won't them in unmarked vehicles and they won't say where they're taking them or anything mm -hmm. so or I, why yeah they're arresting them like you can literally watch via uh, watch videos of people protesters having their hands up saying i'm not doing anything and see two 
um, militarized. They look like they're in like the military. Like stormtroopers. Like it's they're, horrifying. Yeah, they're in, they're in full camo. Um, come grab this person on either arm and drag them. And you can hear people in the background saying, this is unconstitutional. Um, to the person who's being taken away, tell We're us your find name. You. We're yeah. going to get you out. Um, don't worry. We're going to get you out. It's, it's very, very scary. They're also deploying military tools and tactics, including sonic weapons, rubber bullets, and tear gas. So on July Why? 18th... Why when we have a pandemic going on too and millions oh, of people are dying and there's other places that our money could fucking be going to? It's mm. it's truly wild that we cannot... It, it, to be honest, whenever I was doing the prep for this episode, I, I started crying because I was watching these videos and not only is it so heartbreaking to see this happening in your country... Um, but also, when you do put it in that perspective, Madigan, like you were saying, where we can't afford to get ourselves, we can't dig ourselves out of this coronavirus situation that we've been in. We handled that completely wrong. And we can't afford to give our teachers supplies to go to school. And we can't afford to give our doctors and nurses appropriate um, PPE so that they can handle this pandemic. And then we are deploying tear gas and agents that cause people to cough and sneeze during a pandemic, something that actually spreads this virus. Mm -hmm. It is psychopathic like uh, truly I mean I'm, I'm not trying to say that I know that like I could get in trouble for saying that <laughs> um but that that's how it feels to me like this is I, uh, well because I, the, I, I truly, the lack of understanding for another human there's no empathy, no empathy. there so no yes empathy. the first thing you're gonna think of is when you think of somebody that doesn't have a basic knowledge of human emotion or human empathy yeah you think of them as being a psychopath mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So on July 18th, there was a 53-year-old Navy veteran from Portland named Christopher David, and he was caught on camera. You can watch this. He's kind of this like big hulking man, and the video is from the back, and he just kind of looks like this Bane character. But when you see him later in interviews, like you're like, okay, that's a 53-year-old man, you uh-huh. know. Um, but he's a Navy veteran, and you see him walk up to some of these agents. He's wearing a Navy sweatshirt and he confronts them, but it's very peaceful. Like his arms are literally out. So you know that he's not holding a weapon. Is this a white man or a black man? It's a white man. Okay. Um, That makes me less nervous in this story. It's still bad. Yeah. So he approaches them with his arms out in a very non-confrontational manner. And he asked, why are you not honoring your oath to the constitution? Mm. And for that, you can watch him on video get beaten with batons and sprayed at point blank range with pepper spray. And they broke his hand in two places. But he actually says that the pepper spray was worse than being beaten with the batons. And he said that it felt like, quote, they dumped a gallon of burning gasoline on my head because they were spraying him so much with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they broke his hand in two places. And so that same night, a group of women, and this made me cry when I watched it too. Maybe I'm just really emotional. But um, a group of women created a line in front of the protesters. Uh, Is it the chanting, moms? Yes. And they were chanting, Fed stay clear, the moms are here. I know. I and know. It's, it's weaponizing this idea that we believe as a society that women are more fragile and they need to be protected. And it is utilizing that for good 
because you know, especially as white women, that these people are far less likely to attack you than they would be um, a man or especially a man of color or people of color, women of color. Um, Have you seen the image of the naked woman sitting with her legs spread where, again, they were just like, "Uh, we don't know what to do. That to me was hilarious. There's a picture of her doing tree pose like um, from behind. It's great. It's beautiful. She's doing like a a yoga pose in front of them. Someone got an amazing photograph. Oh, my gosh. Um, But it's scary. I listened to an episode of Daily Zeitgeist where Robert Evans from Behind the Bastards, who lives in Portland, and he Mm -hmm. is a journalist who has spent a lot of his career being overseas in war zones um and he was talking a little bit about what was happening and he was just like he's very cavalier about everything just because that's the way he is right but he was talking about how everyone needs therapy like everyone is going to have ptsd from this because it's that bad yeah um but instead of being horrified by what is happening to the citizens of portland the dhs which is homeland security Acting Secretary Chad Wolf has defended the actions of the agents, and Trump has said that the feds are doing, quote, a fantastic job. Of course he did. And has, and has said that, quote, more federal enforcement will be coming to other cities, yep. which is very, very scary. Um, federal agents are saying that they will not leave the streets of, of Portland, and again, they are, they are threatening to take these tactics nationwide. So also it should be noted that federal dollars, tax dollars, are being used to militarize these agencies. Mm -hmm. So in a very real sense, we are paying for these people to be terrorized. And these people are paying for themselves to be terrorized. It's horrifying. Um, And in addition to them attacking just everyday citizens as if that wasn't bad enough, they are also attacking journalists and legal observers. So the Attorney General of Oregon, Ellen Rosenblum, has sued the DHS saying that, quote, every American should be repulsed by what they're seeing. And if it can happen in Portland, it can happen anywhere. And the mayor has said that he does not want them there and he wants them to leave. And he's called the tactics being used abhorrent and has said that they scoop people up in unmarked vehicles that um, probable cause and due process are being denied and that the officers are not identifying themselves to those who are being detained. And so he said, quote, as far as I can see, what is happening is unconstitutional. So last month, the ACLU of Oregon filed a lawsuit that prohibited police in Portland from dispersing, arresting, threatening to arrest or directing physical force against journalists or legal observers. And Mm -hmm. they are now taking that to federal courts as well. So make no mistake. What is happening right now is a threat to our democracy. It is, it is a, Oh, it's terrorism. It's terrorism. What's happening right now. So close to fascism. (laughs) Like I, I think people don't understand like this, what's happening in Portland. And then Trump saying, that he wants to take this, what's happening is good, he's happy about what's happening, and he wants to take it to other states. And then in a recent interview that I saw, which is a fucking shit show, I would recommend watching it, because wow, um, he basically said, not basically, he literally said that he would not necessarily accept the results of an election. Oh, yeah, Which we've I know. never had happen in this country, as right. far as I know. We've never had, we've never not had a peaceful transition of power. Right. So the idea... To me, what he is doing is very clearly testing the the. He's waters. testing the waters right now to see what would happen if he 
you know, no matter what, just stayed in office and essentially became a dictator. Absolutely. He's kind of trying to see how everybody is responding to it. Mm -hmm. And it's frightening Mm -hmm. because it's amazing to me how many people still honestly believe that he's doing a good job. I just found out that an aunt that I love dearly still believes that Trump is doing a great job. And it's It's, so frustrating. It's very, very scary. It's very scary. And I know we're running long here. We've hit the 30 minute mark. But um, I did want to highlight very quickly um, how you can help. So a lot of this info I got from an infographic from... um, Adeval, A-D-E-O-V-A-L on Instagram. So I will put all of these in the show notes, but um, you can donate to the National Lawyers Guild at National Lawyers Guild on Instagram. They are volunteer lawyers, law students, legal workers, uh, jailhouse lawyers. They've been on the ground there in Portland. You can donate to the PDX Bell Fund for protesters and General Defense Committee. That's at PDXGDC on Instagram. Don't shoot PDX at don't shoot PDX on Instagram. They are a social nonprofit that help and promote a safe space for social change um, and they keep people updated on places to donate um, Portland Medics at Portland Action Medics on Instagram they provide safety garments necessary medical attention and chemical weapons wipes for people uh, protesters you can also donate to undocu underscore pdx on instagram they help provide resources for undocumented protesters and there are tons of petitions and things that you can sign if you want to seek those out but it was just really important that um this get highlighted because i feel like people aren't focusing enough on it and if this spreads this could be Literally, I don't mean to be hyperbolic. This could be literally the beginning of a civil war for us. Oh, it's it's that's, terrifying. Yeah, I mean, that's something that Max and I have been discussing a lot. Both of us have had to be very wary about the amount of uh, news we're reading all the time because it was becoming so upsetting. Um, but yeah, we, we're just saying there's no, I just don't see a way that we are going to peacefully come together as two different groups of people in one country right now. I don't see how that's going to peacefully Well, and especially if you don't have a leader that's trying to facilitate that. That's the problem. If you have a leader that's saying when, hopefully, he loses the next election, if you have a leader who's saying, well, I lost because the election was rigged. Right, which you know he's going to do, no matter what. Well, he's he's already said in that interview, that's what he said. He's like, I'm very concerned about mail-in ballots. I think that it's going to be easy to rig the election. So the person who was a Fox News correspondent said, so are you telling us that you will not accept the results of the election? And he said, well, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that I'll accept the results. Yep. I'll have to wait and see. That's terrifying. That is absolutely It's very terrifying. scary. Hi. <sighs> anyway. Should I? I know we're running long, but I'm sure you can no, cut down ahead, some of what we were talking about. I wanted to just add a little bit of positivity to you right now. Uh, for those of you who aren't American, you're probably not going to care as much. But today was opening day of baseball. And I usually don't care about sports, but I have now been in a relationship with a sports lover for a few years and it's rubbing off on me. And I really love watching baseball, always have. And we were watching the opening game for the Dodgers and there were a few, you know, videos and they did this thing where they all held on to like a black rope. Um, There was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful version of 
the national anthem sang. Can't remember who it was now off the top of my head, but as the national anthem is playing, Max and I have been criticizing earlier that the players were standing once the anthem started playing. So as the national anthem starts playing, you see Mookie Betts start to slowly go down to his knee. And he is the only Dodger doing this. And Max and I are like, okay, what are they going to go down? Like what's happening? And the two players to either side of him, uh, Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy, came to his side and placed their hands on his shoulders and bowed their heads. And there was another, uh, they were playing against the Giants. There was, I think, only two Giants players that kneeled as well. I didn't see anything coming from that side, any show of support. So while I was sad that, you know, if I saw somebody kneeling, my immediate response would be to kneel as well in solidarity. I was surprised to see that not happening, but to see the support between his teammates and that solidarity. And he's new, like he's a rookie to Dodgers. So to see them give him that sort of love on his first game and opening opening day was a really beautiful thing for me to watch before I came in here to record. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I also, I try not to be too harsh because I also understand like people work really hard to get where they're at and there's fear associated with dissension. And so I understand people not getting on their knee, but it's amazing that some people did. That's incredible. Um, Also, I think it's the Boston Red Sox sports fans do not come from my throat if I'm wrong. Um, But I think it's the Boston Red Sox that changed their banner outside of their stadium to read Black Lives Matter. A lot of them. And on the pitcher's mound, they have BLM. They've also made it it so that you can um, customize your jerseys. There's little badges that say, you know, United We Change and BLM and things like that. And especially today, there's been a lot of you know attention being drawn to that especially because there's no crowds it's just a very different yeah kind of game yeah and I mean and, and someday when we have more time we will discuss the pros and cons of these kinds of acts of protest you know, very, yeah which you know we we have feelings about um but mostly I think that they're they're positive mostly. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy to hear that that's something that's happening for yeah. sure. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to another mini episode. Uh, if you have anything that you would like to write into us, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also write us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist and follow us there. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go and rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcast, and you will be featured on Reviews Day Tuesday. Last but not least, if you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It is a free way for you to listen, and it helps us out just a little bit. Oh, we have a Twitter, too. I forgot about that. It is <laughs> at, y- at Yamp Podcast. Y. A. N. F. Podcast. I was like, we didn't have to do the thing. I was actually wondering, because I was like, I feel like I should be doing something right now, but nothing's happening. Okay, cool. Exactly. Okay, we figured it out. We're good. All right. With all of that being said, we encourage you to, to rage, rage on. on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.